Hello and welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm your host, Moeed Amin. The goal for this show is if you're in sales, whether you're a sales professional, sales leader, whether you're a founder of company, quite frankly, if you are professional in any form of career, if persuasion and communicating and, and, and persuading people to make change uh, and to take on ideas is a critical part of what you do, then this is the show for you. Uh, success is not just about the skills and the knowledge you acquire, it is about the person that you become. So we'll cover not just the typical sales techniques and skills and approaches, which are absolutely valuable that you will learn from here, but we cover a wide range of things so that you can become the best version of yourself. So we've had people coming on in relation to who are experts at uh, you know, behavioral psychology, uh, you know, body language, being able to communicate and speak with eloquence. We've even had a, a functional medicine expert to help you improve your memory, energy, and focus. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot and talking about with the community has really been around two areas. Number one, which is how, and what, what, this is a big question that I get from sales professionals, which is how can I create a closer alignment and engagement with my buyers? You know, how do I know whether they're reading the proposals and the information that we send over to them? How do we know or how can we control more of that information communication and exchange into kind of almost one platform? And then the question that I get from sales professionals is, you know, how can I become the best leader possible, right? And, and we hear about this so much. And one of the things that salespeople are always trying to do is, you know, how can I get a mentor? How can I learn from salespeople, sales leaders that have been there and done that? Um, and it's quite hard to get a mentor these days, you know, there are so many around, but there are also so many people vying for their time and attention. And one of the best ways is through the podcast here. So I'm delighted to have our next guest today, who actually we're going to talk about those two areas with this person. So, so this guest actually has, um, you know, he, he's a he's the founder and CEO of Aligned, and Aligned helps sellers create, you know, personalized workspaces for closer engagement with buyers. He's, uh, uh, you know, he's been in the SaaS uh, sales game for about 16 years now and has led and grown businesses, some well-known businesses, uh, including SciSense, Anagog, and uh, Sight. And one of the interesting things is he describes his superpowers, and I'm going to read this here because this is so interesting. He describes his superpower as the ability to create highly data-driven and efficient sales machines. Now, that's something that's really interesting to a lot of the community and love to, going to love to dig down deeper into that and he's helped uh, you know teams kind of win six-figure deals remotely in just two to three months so excited to have him on the show please help me welcome mr gal arga gal welcome to the show thank you thank you so much really excited to be here thank you for the intro yeah and no my pleasure and uh Really excited for the discussion that we're going to have today. So why don't we why don't we kick off here because um, you know you've led uh, sales teams in in several companies, uh, and these are companies that you've helped grow. Some of them from zero to I think it was something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but to multiple millions in annual revenue rate. Is that correct? Yeah, tens. Yeah. So I'm really keen to understand what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from leading. Uh, those SaaS businesses? So starting with the big question, and uh, 
I think, you know, thinking about it, uh, there, there are a few things that kind of throughout the years I keep kind of coming back to as, as you know, the, the, the key things that I see that eventually are, I think it's even more, more than the business a lot and more than sales teams, right? I think it's really crucial for the business. So the first of them, I'm really passionate about this personally is uh, cultures. I think that, uh, you, you know, we all talk about all the time about skills and about experience and about how do we, uh, you know, teach a lot of these standard and uh, challenger sales and a lot of different methodologies and metric, right, and all of these things. Uh, and, and these are great, but, but eventually what I've found that is a force multiplier, right, is that, you know, if you look at the in equation, it's skills plus experience multiplied by the attitude and behavior of the salesperson, I think that's that's really the secret sauce. And that has been uh, my passion for many years. And, you know, it starts with first hiring for that. You know, I have a lot of these different mantras, you know, hire for potential, not skills. Uh, that's the way I like to look at it. And, you know, it's not only hiring for it, it's nurturing for it. How do you continue to create that environment where that's that's the that's the dna of the team right and you know to give you a few examples right people you know there's one sales org competition against each other that, that doesn't make sense why why should one salesperson be competing with another salesperson they all right need to work towards the same goal of the of the company's uh, revenue and or the customers really in, in the front so, you know, competing with yourself, with who you used to be and being better than who you were yesterday versus others. Uh, it, I think another thing is the better you are, the less you work alone. That's, that's another key thing that really we always try, always try to nurture within the team. And, uh, and, and really, I think that, uh, you know, controlling the ego and being, uh, being laser fo focused on, on progress and winning, that's, that's really the attitude that I'm looking for. I think that's that's one thing. I've, I've actually went in most details into this one again because really, again, most passionate about that. I think the second one also related to the intro, the short intro that you just mentioned about me. Then uh, I think that you know it's it's a machine, right? Look at it. You have to look at it as a machine. I know that there are a lot of different sales leaders. A lot of them are more executors. They, you know, they have, they, they want to be in this field all the time and they're great at that. So, you know, a good best practice, I think, would be to go and bring someone, maybe strong rev up, some that can help you kind of complete that part. But you really have to look at it as a machine. But eventually, kind of one of the mistakes that I've, that I've done throughout the years is not keeping in mind that I have to adopt the KISS method, right? How to build a machine, but not with what I know or really with the who I'm here to serve, which is my employees, uh, the reps in mind. And then the third thing, um, you know, this is when you're building teams and, uh, and have uh, and hiring managers, then I think another kind of big thing and is a big, a big, big challenge is really hire leaders that are better than you are. I know it's a, it's a little bit of a cliche, but, you know, one of the things that I've seen that the more the more you're needed like as a cro right the more you're needed right now in sales or in customer success or in sdr to do like um you know building processes or to help with hiring in very details or with other things the less you can do your job which is you know the integration between all of the revenue related units 
So, you know, you need to find the leaders that you can coach, okay? You have to be able to coach. It's other, otherwise, people don't get value from, from working, right? There has to be some coaching element there, but not training. And I think that's, that's, that's a key thing. You really, really, really scale when you have leaders that, that can run and really manage, um, you know, lead, manage, build, and hire uh, their team. So I think, I think these are the key things, yeah. That's really interesting. I, I want to talk about the cultures element, but before I yeah. do, I want to just, that thing that you said around coaching those leaders, but yeah. not training them. My view is that you're coaching them more around how to think, but, but all, how to think because that's how they're going to get to the next level. But you may have a different, a different view here. So what is it that you're generally coaching those leaders on? It can be different things. Like, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you can't be right the manager that knows everything about everything. It doesn't make sense. Okay, you can't, you can't aspire to be. You need to all the time try to improve and learn. But uh, you know, if you bring an expert revenue operations and an expert uh, SDR, they will know more than you. If you know more than them in, in you know in SDR and revenue operations, all these things, you're, you're probably very very very. You might be very 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 seasoned, or maybe too much into the into the weeds into the details. So, you know, that, 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 should, that part they should bring. But I think like, uh, you know, they all are there because they probably at some point also wanna take a step up into, into leadership um, and uh, into, you know, higher level leadership. Um, and, and I think that, you know, this is probably more of the area that, that, that you enter, but, you know, each has some areas of, you know, weaknesses, something that they wanna work on still um, and, and this is where you need to, you know, find these areas and, you know, see how you can add value. So what does, so what does leadership mean for you then? Cause if that's the, yeah. if that's the thing that you're coaching them in higher levels of leadership, what, what are some yeah. of those, what, what does that mean to you then? Yeah. You know, by the way, they might not need a, a leadership coaching. They might be amazing leaders and, and maybe even I could learn from a, you know, from, from that, but, but, you know, uh, but let's say a few examples would be when a sales leader, for example, is, you know, has been a VP sales before or a director before and led like uh, eight, eight, uh, eight people, eight reps, something like that. And then over time, they need to step up and start managing managers. Right. So that's, that's really a great, uh, a great opportunity. Um, an area where you can where you can add value and uh, and really coach and leadership and the cultures elements I, I mean I'm taking notes here because I, I I love these podcast sessions because I learned a lot as well as as well as our listeners and, and viewers the cultures here um, what you described was really interesting because you talked about several things there one of which was was uh, you know you're you're helping people reach their potential right yeah. and, and that's that's amazing and that's what this podcast show is all about um, and most of the time, you're not. You shouldn't really compete with others. You should be competing with your own potential because your own potential is probably going to be a lot higher yeah. than the potential of others, or at least you hope it should be, right? Um, yeah. But you talked about you're hiring for potential, not skill, and you're mm -hmm. talking about the attitudes of the seller. Yeah. Talk about how you identify that during the interview process because that's that's not necessarily easy to identify. At least yeah. it's not as easy as skills. Definitely not. Um, actually, I don't have a really good answer for that because I, I'm personally, I've just got, you know, I'm really, really focused on that. And I think I just 
got used to it and it's a lot of uh, intuition and, and experience and focusing on that area. Uh, it, it's always funny, like I've been at uh, situations where um, my VPs, directors, like would, you know, get excited about someone, bring them and in one interview, I like after five minutes get that it's, it's not the right attitude. But this is the one area that I haven't yet kind of broken down into a playbook and, and it should. It could be also a playbook. I, I've never, I think that, you know, the Amazons of the world and all of that probably have really, really good playbooks at how to detect that. I've kind of mostly did that in, a, you know, startups, few hundreds of employees and uh, kind of haven't gotten to really, yeah, to really establish something that's more, more of a process around it. And maybe yeah. we can figure something out here because, um, yeah. you know, what about, if you think about the last time yeah. when you got a bad feeling from someone or yeah. where it just didn't seem to fit. Walk okay. Me, walk me through that. I'm really interested to understand how you kind of, how you got that feeling. What, what was it that they yeah. said or did? Okay. So let, let's think about, yeah, let's think about maybe a few red flags, right? What are the potential red flags that could come up in an interview? One of them is where, where, where from what place they're selling. I think that uh, one key thing is really when you see someone that's selling from a place of strength and only strength or from a place of I want to win and that's the only thing and really that's what you see behind it, that, that's, not, you know, that, that's, not, that's not selling today, right? That's not a, you know, you can sell, of course, everything can happen, but that's, that's not the environment that we live in. That won't work. So I, I, th I think that's one thing. Second thing, yeah, you know, now, now that I'm thinking about that, there, there are tons of examples. I should have answered this right away. But uh, so, you know, the other thing is you give some feedback. A lot of times kind of try to give some feedback, try to challenge them a little bit during an interview about things. And you see the body, body language, right? You see the movement. So if someone, if someone from a, you know, a mild kind of challenge that you do about, about, about something gets like, uncomfortable in the seat you know that's that's a that's a warning flag a, a red flag um yeah so these are two examples yeah yeah i mean certainly i resonate with the lack the the last one because yeah i've been through that myself where i was someone that took small feedback quite personally and yeah. i had to learn that actually that's that's not that's not how i should be thinking about it um, yeah. doesn't mean I shouldn't get upset by it, but I should be, yeah. I should be, I should be at least very open to the yeah. type of, uh, the type of coaching that's being given to me. So yeah, yeah. no, I totally, I totally get that. And yeah. when you're thinking about, cause one of the things that this is connected to gal is mm. you know, right now it's a tough situation for a lot of, a lot of, it's always going to become a tough situation for a lot of companies. Um, yeah. you know, Money's no longer as cheap as it was. Um, there's pressure on uh, a lot of these SaaS businesses that have received private investment um, to you know, increase their run rate. Um, and that obviously means being very careful about where they spend uh, and, and being more, I, I don't want to use more aggressive, but more focused around growing their top line. You know, what advice would you have for leaders in startups right now particularly with the potential stagflation and therefore the, the impact this is going to have on uh, investment money coming in and therefore the decisions they have to make in their business. 
So specifically for now, um, I, you know, I have, let's see, I have a few, a few things that I've, I think I, I've experienced throughout the years and, and, and let's see how I can, uh, you know, correlate them with this situation. Like, I think one of the biggest thing is, you know, it's hard to find people that, that, that can really make it in, in sales and hit, hit the numbers. Definitely if you're like in the complex selling environment enterprise and things like that it's it's really a challenge um and you know i've seen I've, I've done that before and i've seen others where if you don't bring people that are strong enough and recognize that quickly you know you get drawn into that having zero time you're not you're covering it up all the time and you're thinking all the time because you wanna, you want this to work. You want them to improve. You want to help, but there's just a lot, okay, that needs to happen before they can get to that stage. And you're kind of running in circles. I think that uh, now when we need to be very, very, very efficient, you know, we need to all really recognize when we're in that situation where it might not be a good fit, and and we're just running in circles and it's it's really not not the best fit and i think people can find you know can feel still find right the the the, the best people need to be in the place where they can uh, can be the best that they can be i think that's 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 one thing secondly you know a lot a lot of leaders go into these situations and you know get into panic mode and start covering up right so yes the number is important but you know, if you cover up too much, right, and go and, uh, and you know and, and co-lead deals and work deals and enter uh, enter into processes just just to help kind of people reach their numbers. So a, a lot of them, you know, if you have the right environment, that's how you work. And a, a lot is co-selling, and you're selling things. But I think that the risk in these situations is is uh, you know you miss the coaching. So I think that very few leaders a coach and really very few leader coach most people just run and go and help close deals and kind of you know do ride-alongs but but people don't really learn so i think i think even in these situations if you know if, if hitting quarter is harder or or something like that or you have less uh lower capacity lower uh less team than versus capacity then still it's very important to keep an eye and, and, and coaching all the time uh, to make sure that people, you know, get something and people grow and people, you know, get something from the company that's more than just uh, really hitting that target and, and coming to work. Yeah, I just, so I think that's a few things. And um, and I think, I don't know if it's, if it's specifically for this period, but I think two other Two other things that come to mind, uh, dangers, right? That that people should be, that leaders should be aware of that I've that I've been through and thinking what worked the team at five, at, at a team of five will work at a team of 10 or 20 or 50. It's just, it's completely different. It's a completely revenue organization. Like there's the law of diminishing returns, right? And then you know, on the Excel, everything works. You look at the Excel, you do the annual planning, everything works, but really, really take uh, the safety measurements, um, the buffers and plan for it. That's, that's, uh, that's what I would say, like, you know, that the win rates will be a bit lower, that you'll need more pipeline than you thought of, 
that if you have the if you were working mostly with outbound and now you're incorporating inbound and the and, and maybe trying again events, maybe they'll have a different win rates, lower sales cycles. So, you know, think about all of these things that could go wrong at scale because it's just a different game year of year. And I think the last thing is I always, always like, it took me time to get and really perfect this, but build pipeline as much as possible before scaling uh, closers. Like, uh, and taking huge buffers between both of them. It's, uh, you know, there's very few sales orgs that, that, you know, people always, always will say, they'll always say, I think uh, anyway, that's, that's something that we always, you know, we want more as, as human beings. But, uh, but also, um, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that sales orgs talk about, right? We don't have enough pipeline. So uh, yeah, that's something that I always plan for more. Yeah, there's quite a few there. I, I really yeah. like that. That last one was, uh really resonated with me because I've seen I've seen leaders make this mistake where they're expecting yeah. those new closers to build the pipeline but they yeah. haven't really done everything that they can in order to build the pipeline as much as possible so that there's something ready for them to kind of work with so that that was yeah. uh, that was a you know that one really resonated with me and yeah. you're talking about yeah. aware of the dangers of law of diminishing returns that that one yeah. was quite uh and you know and you know and the last one that you said regarding the the pipeline yeah. you know there are a lot of different approaches some say that you know sales are the the ones that that have the approach of you know sales should uh source their own pipeline the the ones that you know there are the companies that say no it's only bdrs and we'll focus but i think at the end we all get to that point regardless of that situation where we're missing pipeline and it goes back to the culture. If we have a culture of accountability, of I'm, I'm the CEO of my business, this is the type of culture, and you really treat the reps like that, then they, they won't, okay? No one will come and say, hey, I need more leads, I don't need more leads. Because they'll know, they'll get, they'll get a face. I won't even say anything. They'll just get, hey, that's not how we're working here. Well, what do you mean? Let's, let's go bring leads. I'll bring leads. Let's, let's bring leads together. Right. So I think I think that's first and foremost, you need to solve this with culture. But but, you know, your role is to always make sure that you don't need to count on people doing, you know, outside of working outside of the process and the playbook and how you've envisioned the, the, the machine working in order to get to their numbers. That, that's an expectation, but you want to plan to not to get to that situation. That makes sense. That does make sense. And that's really interesting when you talked about culture, because yeah. So what are the most powerful levers that you've used to develop the right culture? You talked about accountability there. But yeah. What are some of the other powerful levers that you've used and seen work very well? I think, uh, yeah, accountability is one. Um, being open, being transparent, sharing, you know, what's what's on your mind and uh, and understanding that, you know, if, if you have any, any manager like with me and, and, and the rep with his manager, it's eventually a relationship. Uh, you know, leaders are not uh, uh, born or, uh, you know, it's not something that, uh, it's something that you need to earn. I can choose who, will, who, I'm, who I'm managing, who I'm leading, they need to choose me. And, you know, to develop that open communication, to work on that and to really create that environment where it's okay to not agree with, to not agree and it's okay if you, even to argue a little bit uh, that that's fine and i think you know 
the working together and leaving ego out of the door like uh what i how i like to train around this a lot is around war rooms okay we used to do a lot of war rooms and a good war room is i think i think war rooms were a good culture building activities because you stand there and you expose yourself to your entire team and you wanna right you typically you'd like to be that hero okay that's the best and everything and you wanna you know you're all the time you know you're thinking about your positioning within the company and all that and it won't work if you try to be a hero in the war room right because you won't expose yourself to what's wrong and you won't get you won't accept the advice that everyone give you so i love they really used to love war rooms just as a culture building type of activity because we would really set the ground when we start the uh, the the war room and kind of talk about how what what are the behaviors that we 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 think that, that are important to to show during this work for this to be successful for this to be not a waste of your time for this to be valuable for you this is for you we're here for you this is not for us to get reporting on where where deals stand right we have pipeline we have forecast we have other things and then when we talk about these things that should take place how we even say hey guys warm time remember egos out the door everyone everyone share their advice everyone listening no computers nothing you're all in each other's deals okay think about you standing there on, on the stage talking about your deals you want people to listen to you do that okay act as if you know you're you're there think about all the time how how you would feel on the other side so i think you know creating right bringing that uh that mindset into this situation really builds the culture even beyond that meeting yeah that's so interesting yeah that's really interesting and um i, I want to if you don't mind i want to pivot now slightly to the yeah. relationship with your buyers okay because we talked about in 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 these kind of tougher times you know what are some of the things that sales leaders need to do with their team what do you feel should not just salespeople but the whole business what do you feel that the business needs to do in terms of their relationship with the buyers then? So I think a lot of change and, and maybe we'll get to that uh, later on. Yeah, so a lot of change and uh, in, in buying in, in buying behaviors, buying expectations all the time. It's changing. COVID boosted uh, everything and fast track this uh, evolution. I think for, I think the first and foremost is just listening. Uh, all the time listening and being open uh, to how buyers prefer to buy and adapt to that. You know, there's Gartner and there's McKinsey and there's a lot of research and uh, going on around these things. But, you know, you could read the research, but really listen. You know, you might be in a different market. It might be not exactly on the research listening. So let's let's take a few examples. So, for example, if everyone are getting annoyed with you in your playbook having a standalone isolated discovery call as part of the process and no AE is able to execute this well and customers don't want to spend 45 minutes or whatever the process is just on discovery asking questions and maybe just sharing a little bit of background then skip it change the process okay it's like we're you know we're thinking all the time of I, I used to be like that I used to think of here's the best practices. This is how you should do things. This is how you should do things. And 
and it led me to make mistakes. I think one of the mistakes, like a few years ago, um, one of the companies that I was at were like we, we were discussing the business model and there was a strong push internally towards uh, volume, okay? Charging based on volume usage. And I was back then, it's not SaaS, you know, it's not recurring. It's, it's, you know, today we're talking about revenue run rate a lot, but it's not SaaS, it's not recurring. How do we do that? It's gonna be a challenge. What do we do with investors, with the board? It's, it's gonna be hard to digest because I was, you know, I was stuck. I'm, I know SaaS, I've been in sales, blah, 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 and I know the best practices, but now today, Okay, I'm, I'm actually evaluating this for my business. UBP, usage-based pricing, is one of the one of the most, you know, is the big, it's like PLG in the recent years. It's it's built one of the best companies out there. I don't think that that you know if if you've learned the playbook and that that that's it, you're an expert. You're an expert every only if you've, you're listening all the time and learning all the time after a year you're, you're not an expert anymore i think in today's environment so that's one example like with the discovery call i've like throughout the years i've just incorporated this in most playbooks into the intro call we give and get give and get really kind of dance between both, both of these dynamics i think another one is you know if 90 percent of your customers want to try before they buy then evaluate adding that into your process not pushing them to do a three-month paid pilot and things like that you know even even service now service now right do plg today like uh you know companies see that they need to adapt yeah you know another example is you know emails like in prospecting we've all used emails so much and, and throughout so many years and I think I felt, you know, I, I don't know, I, I know if I can say about the entire, you know, email best practice, email industry that it doesn't work as well. But for me, it, it kind of, I felt that it stopped being as efficient. We started doing video over emails, use a lot of graphics over the emails, gifts, or, and, and started trying to invent things new uh, because, you know, we need to listen. And of course, technology, you know, other than listening technology, uh, our product specifically addresses, and this is really one of, this is really our mission as a company to profoundly elevate how uh, buyers and sellers work together uh, to reduce that friction, to align them better together. And I think that there are a lot of different uh, tools out there that are focused on that uh, to help really uh, align with your buyers. Gal, we talked about friction between yep. the buyers and sellers and, and how high it is right now. What about from the buyer's perspective? You know, what have you observed about how buyers feel about the seller's process and their own buying journey? You know, what have you seen buyers want from that kind of buyer-seller relationship? Yeah, so, you know, that, that's a lot of, a, a lot of that is really, a lot of the the research behind behind our product is is, is around that buying behavior. Uh, so really deep into McKinsey and Gartner and really everything that's going on because there's you know we've all we touched it previously a little bit that COVID has changed a lot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you think let, let's let's take a few steps back. Let let's think about the the evolution and what's what has gone on in the next uh, ten years or so. So, you know, the seller used to be really in the front, right? Like taking the briefcase, flying, wearing, putting the suit on, okay? There, there was a period like that where this is how people saw. And uh, 
and you know SaaS and all and all that you know that's that's really ancient history by now so things changed and and you know there was the birth of uh, uh, inside sales and then inside sales became something that really people could do and even close big deals and complex deals and you know the communication become became much easier um, and buyers starting started to expect that started to get used to that concept right of even interacting with you remotely but then covid hit and accelerated that to be the norm right so today we're talking so mckinsey's saying really that this is shifted so much so that they're even saying they have some statistic around buyers don't even want to be visited okay like i, I have a few of these uh here i think that are interesting i can even read a few of them yeah, like a buyer quote. This is from McKinsey. A buyer quote, please stop asking me to meet with, with me in person. I'm busy enough as it is. Okay, another quote. I no longer have to wait three months for a date when anyone can travel to the same spot where everyone can travel to the same spot at the same time. I can speak with experts more often and on a short notice today. Hmm. Right? So, you know, huge shift. And suddenly everyone had to adapt. So, so these are a few things that happened, right? Uh, but now a third thing uh, that happened is the rise of self-serve, okay? PLG companies. Yeah. And, and this is Gartner is doing a lot of research about that and even saying that 43% of buyers today even prefer to not speak with anyone, not speak with a salesperson. And even more with millennials that are the future decision makers. So if you think about all of these things, then and, and another thing from Gartner is that this means that sellers get less time with the buyer. Only 5%, according to Gartner, in a competitive scenario, is spent 5% of the buying buyer's time in a buying process is spent with the one single seller. Okay, so the bottom line of all of this is that buyers are really shifting away from the seller. They prefer digital. Seller is no longer the only channel. Okay, it is the seller is another channel, and we really should embrace a, a, a different kind of uh, selling methodology. So I think, you know, th there are big shifts really around these areas. So what does that mean for sellers? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it's about really embracing embracing digital. It's now more than uh, more than just doing inside sales and remote selling and and. and and visiting here once in a while, um, to really embracing more tools and really getting your skills in order in terms of uh, uh, selling remotely. But uh, but that's a given. I think that's the. I think that maybe the key thing is is to forget about trying to be the only channel, trying to be the key thing that the customers need all the time and, 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 and become like someone that enables them, someone that is a partner and delivering value and is really focused about if, if they want to self-serve, if they want to play more with the product on their own, respect that and, and not try to push all the time to go and meet face-to-face. -face. I, I, think, I think that's, that's, really, that's really the key change. So embracing digital, embracing more tools, being more focused on supporting the channels through which they want to engage and but of course at the end of the day we need to be with the eyes of the prize on the prize and really of course make the moves and ask the hard question challenge and, and and make sure we eventually bring the deals that's quite scary for a lot of salespeople and sales leaders right what you just yeah. described there because traditionally and even now that we're still trained 
to take as much ownership as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah, take more control of the sales process. Um, yeah. You know, and the more you're involved in that, the more yeah. likely you're going to have more of an influence. But what you're saying now is actually there's more of a balance here, right? There is there appreciate and understand there are there are times and elements in the buyer's journey where they're going to want to talk to you and they're going to want to learn from you. Yeah. Uh, but there is a whole host of other times where actually you're going to be using other channels. And yeah. what you need to do is, I'm not saying, it doesn't sound to me like you're saying you should leave them alone, but what mm -hmm. you should do is understand and respect that because you still have influence in those other channels. You've just got to think about being present and being heard in those channels, as opposed to just your channel, which is, uh, you know, a phone call, a video chat, an email directly from yeah. you. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, if, uh, yes, we want, you know, ideally we want all the, all the, you know, touch points to get visibility and get control and all the time be part of, uh, part of every step. But if the other side doesn't see something the same as you do, then you're not aligned. Okay. This is, this is, this is our company's name and this is, this is where we're coming from. So if, if you're not aligned with them, then okay, you'll push the game control in the old way, but it just won't work. You won't get it. And, uh, and this is really what we're passionate about, about solving this with technology. And you know, what we've done is to create that digital workspace where you work together online digitally with your customer, uh, with your prospect, with the buyer, or even as a CSM with the actual paying customer um, and let them lead the way within that space but you're while you're still in control because you know you see what's going on in that pace you get you get visibility on the items that interest them on the discussions that they're going through um so you know it really relates to what we're doing and we're we're passionate about solving this uh but the bottom line is that you need to be aligned with the way that they want to buy and not force how you want to sell interesting because you almost you almost it sounds to me as if you're almost describing you're giving them that safe space. Yeah. But it's a safe space in which you're a part of rather than actually yeah. you don't even know what they're doing. You don't even know how they're ingesting certain information, even your information. Because when you send an email to someone other than a read receipt, which no one clicks yes on anymore, yeah. then you're not going to know how they're interacting with the information you're sharing with them. You don't know who they're sharing it with. You don't know how long yeah. they're reading it for. You've just got no idea of doing yeah. that. So you're, it's almost as if you're allowing them to have that safe space, which is what they want, exactly. but it's within the environment, you call it workspaces, but it's within the environment in which you're able to, you're able to actually share the information you want with them. But you can also see in a non-creepy non way, you can kind of see, you know, what, what is it that they're, how are they engaging with what you're sharing? And is it really of value to them? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, versus the alternative of, you, you're the one that has all of the content and you need to follow up all the time, making sure that they've seen it and, um, and maybe you've shared something at the beginning of the process and, and they need it. So they need you again because they haven't received it. Um, and, um, you know, all of that, when, when, you're, when you're needed and you're all the time, someone that they should come to for, for all of these things, and you know, and, and all of these channels, that's 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 simply not uh, a, doesn't work. 
mm. and uh, and really yeah, having everything in one place and because they'll 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 get and, and research on their own anyway. They'll go to G two, they'll go to your website, the competitors' websites, and and they'll get that. Okay, I want to go and think while I'm alone and I, I don't have someone uh, uh, over me right now. Yeah. Um, and go and read and educate myself. So you empower them to do this, but you empower them to do this in, in an area that gives you a little bit more control and visibility. Gosh, I, I wish we had more time. I think we can talk about yeah. this for a really long time. And, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've learned a ton and I know that our viewers and listeners will have as well. You know, all, all that you've shared around, you know, sales leadership and the right approaches and you know, down to, you know, understanding the buyers, which I completely agree with, by the way, especially during down, downturns and, and tougher markets, you know, you've got to get as close as possible to your buyers um, and enable others in the business to also acquire and understand that information as well. So uh, I, I thought that was hugely, hugely interesting. A couple of questions I would like to quickly ask you. Um, first question is, um, if you were to recommend three books or three experts for people to follow, um, you know, what would, the, what would they be? Yeah, so um, it, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, the classics, I would say, from my, from my side, like, um, you know, not, nothing that's recent and surprising, I think, from, from my answers. It's one would be the Never Split the Difference, uh, Chris Loss, mm. and the second would be Challenger Sales. Um, so if you haven't heard these names before, you, these are the books. I think, you know, I'm, I'm going and I don't have a third one that really comes to mind, but I'm, I'm going to these two because I think they really, you know, they're, they're unique. They, they did something and told something that's very, very new and, and, and had an influence on me and how I sell. That's, that's, that's really the reason. Thank you for that. I mean, I haven't completed Never Split the Difference, but from what I've heard, really? what I've read, sorry, so far, yeah, it, it's been great. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. to complete that in, in, by the end of this week. But Challenger Sale, I, I mean, that's personal for me. I would recommend that. I was, I was one of my mentors was Mac Dixon, and I worked in the company. I was a sales leader there as well, so I can certainly speak to the the, the rigor of the research and how it actually is of value to salespeople. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Thank you for sharing those, Gal. Um, how can uh, how can people learn more about you and your business and what you're doing and, and get in touch? First of all, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help with anything. Feel free. They can feel, everyone can feel free to reach out if you just you know want to consult on something or offer something. Then I'm always happy to to talk. Uh, and Align, we're at uh, teamalign.com. You can get the link also from from my LinkedIn, of course. So our product is PLG, uh, so it's free. We have a free plan and uh, you can just go ahead and sign up and experiment with uh, everything that I was talking about earlier. And, uh, and essentially as mentioned, like moving the entire sales journey to that workspace to gain more control and visibility. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so happy to help and, uh, and feel free really to use the product. Sounds good. Yeah, and we'll we'll leave links in the in the show notes so that people can easily access them. Um, so, Gal, it, this has been really, um, yeah, been a really interesting conversation. Actually, I learned a ton, like I said, and uh, I know our our viewers and listeners well as well. So, thank you for for taking the time to join us on the show and to freely share with us your your experience and, and your advice and recommendations. Wonderful. It's been really my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And, and uh, so this is Moe Damin signing out. Uh, if, if any of the principals here 
has been of interest to you, you can contact Gao and we'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, if you're interested in terms of these, if for any listeners interested in terms of, uh, you know, being able to have, uh, you know, grow revenue with certainty, uh, and, and we believe that people deserve that, um, you know, check out some of the, check out the links to where you can contact me and learn about more of the science-backed processes uh, and programs that we have. Uh, but until the next episode, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll see you later.